So let's learn. So last week, last week we began sort of uh, easing, easing our way into this huge sugya that is really a, a huge, huge sugya in all, in all of Hasidus. And it begins with the Toldos Yaakov Yosef, which is really the sugya of, of a Rebbe, like the concept of a Rebbe and the change and the different dynamic that, uh, that, that exists between Rebbe and student, Rav and Kehila, and Rebbe and Chassid. It's a whole different dynamic, different, different relationship altogether. And, you know, within, within, I'll tell you something, within Hasidus, there's probably, probably two svarim in the classic svarim of Hasidus that sort of really are the headquarters for everything you need to know to be a Rebbe. And that's uh, the Naimil Melech for sure, and the Marva Shemesh, a student of the Naimil Melech. There's a Shem over the, you know, these series, who knows how long we'll go. We should cover those, uh, those swarm too. So those two swarm are really sort of really the headquarters of, of, of the concept of Rebbe and, and everything that comes with it. But there's no question about it that the Toldos Yaakov Yosef being the first of all Chassidish's farm sort of lays down the, the fundamental points and the foundational concepts. So we began talking about this last week. So again, just to reintroduce the sugi a little bit. What we learned last week was, again, uh, we, we did it in the way that we've been doing it till now, which is a concept from the Rizal, and then showing how that concept uh, morphs and develops and uh, takes shape in, in, in Chassidus. What we saw from the Rizal is that all of Vaidis Hashem, all of Kavanas, Mitzvahs, Davening, everything in the Kisviari, it's all revolving around a Yichud, Yichudim. It's all Yichudim. And we talked about this, how the difference between before the Arizal, the focal point of Vaidis Hashem was in order to activate what's called Shefa. And after the Arizal, the focal point of Vaidis Hashem is to activate a Yichud. And so we explained again very, very quickly, very simply, that the concept of a Yichud is that the experience that you're, that you're viscerally seeing, that you're, that's, that's tangible in front of your eyes, is not the point. The point is something else that's happening behind the scenes of what you're physically experiencing. And that behind the scenes could not be possible without what you're physically experiencing, but it's not about the, the, what you're physically experiencing. Rather, it's what's happening behind the scenes. Again, the example I gave last time was like uh, was was a birthday cake being given to someone, where that's a way of a, a deep bond and a deep love is being conveyed from one person to the other, which needs something tangible for it to be expressed, like a birthday cake. But it's not about the cake; it's about something much deeper. And so that's so the concept of a yichud is is similar to that in terms of Avaidus Hashem, where, again, I'll explain it like this, you know, the Zara Kaddish says about the Rabbanu Shalom, that the Rabbanu Shalom, just like, just like the Torah and just like a, a Jew, there's a side of God which is Goli, which is more revealed, which is more tangible, so to speak, blessings that God gives in your life, understanding that Hashem brings into a person's life, and then there's a side of God which is sasim, which is hidden, which is infinite, which is intangible, b'chlal. Obviously, intangible physically, but even intangible conceptually and intellectually and, and emotionally, it's intangible. And the concept of a yichud and the kisyari is that all of Yiddishkeit is really about giving us the ability to experience a side of God which is infinite. The side of God which by itself is completely unrelatable. But the concept of Yiddishkeit is that the Rabbanu Shalom gave us vessels and gave us interactions with, with the revealed side of who God is through which we could experience the intangible side of who God is. And that's what, that's what a yichud is. In other words, uh, for example, again, just to, to explain a little bit, you know, the Rizal said that before creation, what was there? As we all, I've mentioned this many times, before Bracious, all there was was the infinite light of God. And that side of God that's infinite is completely unknowable. The purpose of creation is to give us access to that side of God, to the unknowable side of God. And the point of every mitzvah that we do, of every davening that we offer, of every experience that we have in Avodah Hashem, is not for just the tangible result. The tangible result or the tangible reality of uh, every time you learn something and there's a piece of knowledge that now you have in your brain, the point is not the piece of knowledge. The point is that knowledge now acts as a vehicle to connect you to something that you otherwise would have no connection to. It's to connect you to that side of God which is completely intangible. That's why, you know, I've mentioned this many times, that one of the great 
telltale signs that a person is learning Torah and keeping mitzvahs in such a way where you're not getting caught up in the tangible side, but rather the tangible side, the birthday cake, is allowing you access to something much deeper, more profound, something that's intangible. The telltale sign of that is are you becoming more humble as you grow in your learning? Are you becoming more uh, connected with other yidin as you keep more mitzvahs? If a person is purely, if a person is becoming more of more egocentric and more self-centered through their learning and through their davening, through their avayda, then that's a telltale sign that all they're experiencing is the tangible. And the tangible is something that makes you feel more powerful. But if the tangible side of Yiddishkeit, if your, fun, if your relationship with it is such that it's allowing you access to something intangible, something bigger than you, something deeper than anything you could otherwise conceptualize, then that will result within you with a, with a deep sense of humility and a deep sense of, of awe and reverence. So that's, that's, that's usually the telltale sign. If a person's learning, for example, and they become, uh, and it develops within them a sense of holier than thou, and a separation from other people and a sense of, uh, of dominance over others, that's a simon that they're not experiencing a yichud. A yichud is always going to result in, in a deeper connection to others, in a, in, a, in a humility that comes with touching something that you can't explain, something that otherwise you can't touch. That, that's usually what a yichud results in. That's how the result described it. That's what all the Yiddishkeit is. Now that by itself is kedai, you know, to hear and... You know, and you could spend the rest of your life trying to figure that out, and trying to experience that. But the Baal Shem Tov saw in that, and like, like I've been saying before, that what Hasidus does is take ideas from the Kisari and apply it and expand the territory of that idea to everything. And so this idea of, of things being shifting from viewing them as just Shefa and Bracha to, to, to situations of potential Yichudim, that changes everything. And the one particular place where, where you see this huge change uh, is this idea, in this relationship of Rebbe to Talmud, or Rebbe to Talmud, or Rav to Kehila. And in the classic cases, like we, we began to see this last time, we'll see more of Arichas tonight, is in the Tullus of Yosef, is in a situation of where, let's say, you have a, uh, a, a Magid. Back in the day, you would have traveling Magidim, right? You have people going from town to town, and their job was to give Musr. Their job was to give Techachim to try to get Yidin to do tshuva. So in the classical case, the, the Magidim were, were it, was, um, it was, it was well known that amongst the early generations of Hasidus especially, the Magidim were like, uh, not looked up at at all. Because these Magidim were the classic, the, 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 the poster children for the opposite of Yichud. The opposite of Yichud. So in other words, to, to explain a little bit more, this, I, this scenario where you have a person giving Musr or giving Teichacha or trying or even teaching Taira to, to other to other Yidin. There's two ways to experience that dynamic, that give and take, that relationship right now. One is in way of Shefa. In other words, the Rebbe, the, the Mashpia, the Magid has ideas. He has a religious standard that he's holding by, and there's a religious standard that the people that he's talking to are holding by, and they're not the same. And if he's trying to give them something, he's trying to give them pieces of knowledge uh, uh, that they should be inspired in order that they should pick themselves up. That's, that's basically what it is. That's Shefa. And what's, what's being offered to them, what's being, what, what the Magid is trying to give to the people, what the Rav is trying to give us his Gila, is something tangible. It's a Maimar Chazal that says that if you don't keep Shabbos, you're going to Ganem. So that's what he's trying to give them. And hopefully the person receives that and uh, becomes inspired by that somehow and will raise his level of Shabbos. But the Baal Shanta said that that's, that's that, 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 the, the result taught that everything has to shift from Shefa to Yichud. And Yichud means <coughs> to no longer see that, uh, that moment <coughs> of the Magi just giving information. Rather, this is a moment of, uh, 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 of union, of union between two Yidin, between the Magid and the Chavra. That union, that Yichud needs needs uh, uh, needs a catalyst. It needs something to to create an environment for that union to happen. And the environment that you're creating in order for that union to happen are the words that the Magid says. But it's not about the words. And if he really wants to uplift the people that he's speaking to, he, the, the Magid, as we'll see now, has to be conscious of the fact that the real the real union that's the real uh, reality that's happening 
the real Indian is a union taking place between his neshama and the neshama of the people that, are, that he's speaking to. In order to make that, that union possible, there's words that are, that are said. But it's not about the words that are being said, it's about the relationship and the oneness that's happening that's being forged through those words. No different than the piece of, than the birthday cake. It's not about the cake, right? If the guy, ta- if the guy receives the cake and doesn't say thank you, doesn't make eye contact, like, then he's missing the point, right? So the point is that, yeah, in order to make that union, you have to give over a piece of cake. But it's not about the cake. And Adarabah, if you person, as we'll see in a second, the real way how to uplift another Yid, and again, the, the examples is like a Rav or Mashpia or Magid, but the truth is any, this is true with parents and children, this is true with, with siblings, this is true with friends, it's true within yourself. In order to really lift up another Yid, the point is to make that Yichud, to make that union between the, 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 the mashpi and the makabal to make that union, and then automatically there's going to be an ascent that takes place. You'll see, you'll see how he describes this right now. That well, I mean, ultimately, the definition of Torah is knowledge that's saturated with God Himself. That's what makes something Torah, because everything is God's knowledge. Right? I've given this example before. I mean, uh, gravity is also God's will, which means the rules of gravity are God's knowledge too. So why is it that studying physics is not Torah? The difference is because the 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 wisdom, the knowledge of physics. Is not, is not the birthday cake, it's a regular piece of cake. So Hashem gives us a lot of things. But what defines something as Torah is knowledge that's saturated with His, with his essence, Kivyachal. And so th- that's, what, that's really what, what Torah Shema means. Again, there are, there are subtle differences between the Grah and the Baal Shem Tev in terms of Torah Shema. We're not going to get into that. But everyone agrees that the definition of Torah would makes a piece of information Torah is the fact that this is information that's functioning as a vehicle of yichud. That that's what makes something Torah. Torah is yichud. Torah is yichud. Torah tzivalanu Moshe, Moirasha kilos Yaakov muurasa. Right? Chazal say that it's a it's a that that's not just a quality that Torah has. A quality that makes us you know mukudeshes that we're now uh, in that state of yichud with Hashem. That is the definition of Torah. That's what defines Tyra. And so anything that... The, so, so even if a person is not conscious of this, by the very fact that you're learning, the yichud is taking place. But, the, but, but a major part of Avodis Hashem is to be conscious of what we're doing and to allow that deeper truth to resonate on all levels of ourselves. And so the more we're conscious of this, the more we're bringing that yichud out. And that's, that's, the, that's what you want. So the knowledge itself, it, again, the knowledge itself, if it's not functioning as a vessel, just like that birthday cake. The birthday cake is a vessel or clothing for a bond that's taking place between the giver and the receiver. If you isolate the cake from, the, from, the, from what it, what's contained within it, then it's no different than a birthday cake, than, than a regular piece of cake, I'm sorry. So Torah is the same thing. If you were to, no, we, you can't do this because Torah by its very definition is, is saturated with God's presence. But in, in theory, if you could isolate the wisdom from the union that's happening through that knowledge being absorbed into your brain, then yeah, that's called, that, that, then it would not be Torah then. That, that, it's impossible because Hashem decided that this wisdom is a vehicle for Him to express Himself through, and that's not up to us to change. It could, but that, that, that's why, see, that's, that's the great tragedy and the great sin of learning Torah, Shaloi Lishma. When I say Shaloi Lishma, not just for, for, for bad reasons, Lakanter, like learning Torah for the specific purposes of putting others down, or learning Torah for the, single, for the purposes of disobeying the mitzvah. Because that's not just, because if you think about it, like, okay, there, there's, there's, like, why is that so bad? I, at the end of the day, I'm learning Torah. I'm now gaining knowledge. Yeah, I'm not going to live up to the standard that I'm, I'm not going to live up to the knowledge that I'm learning and maybe 
down the line, I won't be a better person for it. But why does, but why does my intention of taking the Torah that I'm learning and I'm doing it I'm, I'm, for, net, for bad motivations, why does that change the Torah itself that I'm learning? Well, the answer is because what, what you're learning now is a yichud. And, and, and that's a bechina. And, and being, in a, being offered or being in the middle of a state of yichud and, and having one's mind in, in, for wrong motivations... That's that's bechin of gilirayas, that's bechin of gilirayas, right? So that that's that's not just that that's worse than than it's better not to learn. I mean, the Gemara Chazal says such a thing, right? If a person's going to learn for bad reasons, for negative reasons, it's better not to learn. Why? The answer is because it's not just like a missed opportunity. That's gilirayas. It's a bechin of gilirayas. You're taking a moment of yichud where the Rebbe Shalom is offering him. It's like he, 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 there's a moment of 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 of, of oneness with the Bar Yolam through this knowledge. And the person is, uh, it's a it's, bechina, it's, pagama bris, that, that's what's going on. Huh? Kabbalah is if it's, if it's the other way, right, right. That, that's why, uh, that's why it's a serious zach, yeah. Is this Yehud and Dvekas, are they just two sides of Dvekas, yeah. Dvekas is a word that we use to describe like sort of what it means, to, what it feels like to us, but Yehud is the reality. Yeah, yeah. So it's just another word for it in a, on our level. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. We're talking about vehicles as like instruments to, to do some, some other purpose. Sure. I think the word they, they use over here is a lavush. Um, you mentioned that before. What's the function of the imagery of, of clothing specifically as a vehicle? So clothing does two things. It's a classic, it's a classic term. It goes back to the Kisferi. Lavush is a term that they use because clothing, what it... What clothing physically does is two opposite things. On the one hand, it clo- it hides uh, that which is supposed to be hidden, obviously, and it also is a way of expressing something that would otherwise be very difficult to express. If I see a, a person walking down the street and he's wearing a, a policeman's uniform, so obviously he's, he's, he's clothed, so there's a side of him which I don't see now, but that uniform expresses something that would be very difficult to convey with words, or take a lot of words to convey that. I know, I know what type of personality maybe the person has. I know how much time he spent uh, training for that. I know what his motivations are. I know that he's a person that I could go to for help. I mean, it's, it says a lot. So a lavush is always something which, on the one hand, constricts the message to something specific, so when you're learning a Pasuk, for example, Zachar Siyom HaShav it says, Hashem said, remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. So what that Pasuk, that Pasuk is Lavush, because without that Pasuk, God is infinite. And then all of a sudden, now there's a finite message that's being said. So there's a whole, there's so much more that's now being hidden and being concealed by us being focused on that line. But at the same time, that constriction now gives us the ability to grab on, to hold on to, 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 to that which is actually being concealed. So that, that choice that the Rebbe makes of saying that Pasuk, of deciding to you know, sort of create that window, um, it, it creates a window into Kviyachal himself through that specific prism. And that's what really every Pasuk is. Every Pasuk, every mitzvah that a person does is bringing you to the same place. That place of Ein Saif, the place of the infinite side of God, the unknowable side of God. But each each mitzvah, each bracha, each pasuk is bringing you to that place through a particular lens, and that particular lens is, on the one hand, constricting, because all the pasuk is is and it's nothing else. But at this, by the other hand, now you have a way in to that that unknowable side of God that until now was completely close to you. So that's what a lavush is. That's why it's always described as a lavush. And that's what's happening in, 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 by a Rebbe. That, that's, what it, that's, what, that's what we're going to see now is that the words that the tzaddik says to the people around him, it's not about the words. Those are vehicles through which a union is taking place between the tzaddik and the people that he's speaking to, and then automatically they're uplifted, even without understanding what he's saying, or even you know, you know, you know, you, you could hear a, a drasha from a tzaddik, and you, maybe at the time you chab he's talking about, but later on you don't really chab anymore, and you're changed by it, right? Because it was about a yichud, it wasn't chef, it was a yichud. Okay, so let's see it together inside. This is a piece from, again. Uh, 
Tolis Yaakov Yosef in Parshas Kedoshim. Okay, it's the fifth piece in Parshas Kedoshim. What he's, what he's uh, building off over here is a famous Mishnah Perkyavis. It says in the Mishnah that Hillel used to say, it's well known, that he used to say three things, right? right? If I'm not for myself, then who is for me? If I'm only for myself, then, then what am I? If not now, when? Okay, so he says as follows. What Hill is, is hinting to over here, uh, hinting to us is a big Musr, Al Rashi Adar, and he's specifically addressing the leaders of the generation. Kamai Hill, like himself, Shai Nasi Yisrael, he was a Nasi. And he's telling the leaders how they should act towards the people that they're supposed to lead. Vuhu. says as follows. Point number one. First of all, a leader has to recognize and remember that even though what you see with your eyes is that I am one person, that's another person, there's a hundred people, a hundred individual people, but a person has to remember that the truth is on a deeper level, beyond the physical, the entire world really is one big person, it's one big entity, it's one big parts of, one big, one big uh, organism. And point number two, the dynamic that exists between the individual person and the collective nation is such that whatever exists in the collective whole exists in the individual. Whatever is in the individual exists in the collective whole. Every person individually is a mirror, is a reflection of what's going on collectively. That's how it works. It's like a, it's like a piece of broccoli or a piece of cauliflower is probably better. Cauliflower. You take a piece of cauliflower, so it's a big head of cauliflower. You take a little piece of the cauliflower off, that little piece of cauliflower looks like the whole head of cauliflower, right? That's, that's basically how we exist also. You have the whole collective, the Jewish people, and, any, and every individual member of the Jewish people is going to be a, a, a microcosm of the collective whole, okay? We're basically just cauliflower. So he says as follows, What exists by an individual person, that's what's going to exist by the claw. Now, okay, therefore, just as an individual person has a physical body with the physical, you know, nisyayness, uh, uh, and uh, being drawn to low things, and you have a tzuri, you have a neshama that's drawn to high things, and that, that dynamic is true by the individual, and it's true on a collective level. Whether it be a city, a nation, Harosheyam, the the Tamidich Chachamim, the Magidim, the 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 leaders, Heimatzur v'Aneshama Shal Bnei Adar. They're supposed to be on a collective level, the Neshama to the body, and the rest of the people that they're supposed to lead are considered to be the body. Ubnei Adar and the rest of the people, Heimachaymer Shal Tzur. They're the body. They're the matter for the form. Shadar lefi Darsha v'Darsha lefi Adar, and it's a Shidduch. Just like within each person, your body and soul are a shidduch to each other. It's not a random thing. So too it is with the collective whole of the tzibor, the manhigim, the leaders, are as a, as a perfect shidduch for the people that they're leading. And he says as follows, And to the extent that the neshama is strong, to that extent, hopefully the body should be um, uplifted and, 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 and clarified by the neshama. If the neshama is, is dull, then the body is going to be even that much more dull. So they, they, they parallel you, right? The bigger neshama, the more refined the body will be. The lesser neshama, the more coarse the body will be. Therefore, that's the aside. Therefore, says the Yaakov Yosef, this is point number one that the magid, the manhig, the magid, the rav, the rabbi has to recognize is that if you want to be Masakin, to contribute to the collective spiritual benefit of the collective tzibor, then the way to be Masakin the klal is by recognizing that, that what you're trying to do to other people, that exists within yourself. So you're trying to, as the neshama to the kehila, you're trying to uh, bring the body to get it a little bit that the body should be on, 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 on more of the same page as the neshama well guess what you have to do that within yourself and the more you do that within yourself then the more automatically it's going to have an effect on the klal again you're a piece of cauliflower so you do it to yourself and automatically that'll happen to the collective so he says if you want to help the klal then you have to be in yourself in that way but tikan atzmiyusai to fix yourself. 
and to recognize that what you're, that the chesorin that you're seeing in other people, right? And that's why you want to give up the, get up there and yell at them. But that chesorin that you're seeing in them is a reflection of some chesorin on whatever level in you. And instead of trying to fix them, the main objective is to, is to create a yichud. In order to fix them, you have to see yourself as a, as a part of that collective cauliflower. And that's what's happening over here. Instead of seeing individual people and giving pieces of information to them, I am now having a different mindset. I'm now seeing myself as part of this one big collective entity. And in order for this collective entity to be uplifted, I have to do it within myself, and that automatically will have a ripple effect on the collective entity. And so all, all of a sudden, it's, it's much, it's, it, the words that I say are, are almost insignificant. The point is, what type of mentality, what type of mindset do I have when I'm saying these words? Am I seeing myself as someone completely separate from the people that I'm talking to? That's shefa, that's bracha, that's na'ichad. Or do I see myself as, 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 as completely bound to the chavr that I'm speaking to? We're all literally one entity. And the way for this one big entity to uplift themselves is by me contributing to that in the best way possible, by me uplifting myself, and at the same time, as we'll see in a second, seeing myself in my personal avayda as part of them with their avayda. And then automatically things will be raised up. Yeah, I say words in order to sort of create an environment for that to happen, but it's about the yichud that's happening in that. We'll explain. He says as follows. There's nothing that's, I mean, I'm yeah. what I'm saying, but the essence you could read this as a regular, so to say, rabbi's manual. If you want to change your tzibur, because well, the tzibur's only going to be as big as the rough is, and if you want to change the tzibur, you're going to have to work on yourself. Yeah, but that's not what he's saying. Another, another, yeah, yeah, that's not what he's saying. No, he's saying he's saying he's saying, he's saying, he's saying Yeah, he's saying be'etzim. He's saying be'etzim. And again, that's the con- You'll see. You'll see in a second. He'll get. He'll get the point even more clear. But he's saying that be'etzim. This is this is what's happening. Uh, it's not just a matter of of making sure that the rav remains humble and you know listen. It's much deeper now. You'll see in a second. So he says like this. Again, three lines before the end of the first paragraph. If you want to be then the way to do that is by seeing your personal avoida as reflective of the avoida of the klal. The more you can make your body in neshamadik, that itself will, will not, it's not just a matter of inspiration, that automatically will translate into the klal, by, because you're seeing yourself as, as nothing more than an extension of the klal. There's the collective cauliflower, and I'm just an extension off of that. I'm just a representation, a little piece that's a microcosm of what's going on by the collective cauliflower. And so anything I can do is automatically, automatically going to have a ripple effect. And the truth is, you don't even have to say anything. Nothing even has to be said. And this doesn't even have to be in the form of a drush. You could be in the back of the shul. It could be that, listen, it could, it could very well be that the, that the person in the back of the shul has the biggest neshama, and not the, the guy in the front of the shul. It very well be. And so you, in the back of the shul, when you're doing your avayda and you're thinking of yourself as part of the collective tzibur, and you're saying to yourself, whatever the tzibur is going through, it means that I'm going through that in my personal life. And by me working on myself in my personal life, seeing myself as a reflection of the tzibur, the more I pick myself up in this Indian, the more automatically the tzibur will be raised. Without saying anything, no one has to know your name. It, that, it, that automatically the whole tzibur is being raised. That's what a Rebbe does. Again, in, it, 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 different chatseris of, 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 of Baal Shem, different schools of the Baal Shem Tev, there was sometimes more of an emphasis in terms of, of Torah being said by Febrengen and actual direction being given from the tzaddik to the kihila. And other schools of chassidus, uh, that was almost completely non-existent. It was just stam, being in the presence of the Rebbe, and the Rebbe is doing tshuva in his own inyan, and automatically people are, are, are not just inspired, he, that, or, within themselves, there's automatically an uplifting taking place. Yeah. In the second instance, we'll create the other. In the second instance? In the second instance, of the tzaddik in the back. It's automatic. The, his machshava, the fact that where a person's thoughts are, that's the reality. And so the more a person within themselves is conscious of the fact that everything is yichud, then even then the, then the very fact that they're that they're sitting in the same room is enough of an environment created for that yichud to be manifest. But there's no interaction. It's like he's, in, he's having yichud with the inside. He's not having yichud with the 
Uh, so that, that's what we're going to see. So at the same, we saw this at the end of last week, the truth is also, that at the same time when this person is having kavanas and doing truth within himself, he has to also, at the same time, see himself as a reflection of a tzibur. And then he's in two places at once, right? He's like, uh, like the Gemara, the Taldus quotes this in a few places also, the Allah is with a shaifer for Rosh Hashanah, how big does a shaifer have to be you know, uh, the actual shoifer itself. So the luck is, the shoifer has to be big enough that if you hold it you, with your fist, you could see a little bit on both sides. So the Toldus said in a few places, the meaning of that, the remez of that is, is that a shoifer is about, uh, the shoifer is like the mashpia, is like the magad, he's like the rav, he's trying to inspire people to do tshuva. How big does a shoifer have to be? He has to, he has to big enough that he exists on both sides. There's a part of him that's dovik to Rabbanah and at the same time, a part of him that's dovik to the people that he's speaking to, or the people that he's, that he's associated with. That's the only way how the yichud can take place. Because if he's just, if, if he's just talking to human beings, then there's no Ain't Saif in that, in that, in that uh, formula. If he's just connected to Ain't Saif, and he's disregarding the people he's speaking to, then that's a personal union that he's having, but it's not with the Chavra. He has to be a shoifer that you see on both sides. He's speaking to them, and he's deep, or if he's not speaking to them, but he's at least consciously aware of his union with the people that he's, that he's thinking of, and at the same time, he's having a union with the Rabbani Shalom, and then, then everyone is having it with the Rabbani Shalom, and automatically you're uplifted. You'll see how he says it. So he says, <clears throat> And by having this, this avayda, it could, it's, it, with relative ease, a person can be misakin the yidin that he wants to fix. She asked me, So, uh, again, that, that's the formula. When a person is mechiach people, and you give moser, you give a shmuz, whatever it is, and you're not can, can, including yourself in, in the words that you're saying, you're not talking about yourself, and you're not connecting yourself with the people that you're talking to, you're not going to make a roshim at all. All you can do is present pieces of information to them, but if these people are stuck in their place, in their way, it's uh, most likely they're not going to care about what you're saying. This is what Nas, that Hill is hinting. Again, he's giving muster to, to his colleagues and so on. If I am not for myself, then what am I? If I am not working on myself, in whatever Indian I'm giving muster for, if I don't see myself having that same deficiency on my level, to change my body into neshama, to fix myself. Right? That's a famous concept in Chassidus. The word ani is also the same letters as ayin, which is nothingness. Ani means body, ayin means neshama. If I'm not working on changing my ani into ayin, then I'm not going to be able to do that to other people. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it doesn't work. Imkin mi li, then, who, then, then, then who's going to be with me? What's the Then, then, then no one around me is going to be able to do this within themselves either. She is they're going to come the curve to me. Vishabchulbchinasi, and they're going to change to the people that I wanted to become. If I didn't do it to myself, so that's the first statement. So when you get up to get a shmuz, the first thing is to remember that you're not talking to anyone else. You're talking to yourself. Whatever chesaron you find with other people, it's just a reflection on yourself. You are just a piece of cauliflower, cauliflower off of the larger cauliflower, whatever's going on in the larger cauliflower, it's going on in you. And so that's number one. When you're talking to, other, to someone else, you're talking to yourself. Second, vine. Now there's another point though, however. And and it's possible, therefore, another scenario where the person did this. Okay, fine. So the person is giving up to get a shmuz, and he's doing tshuva within himself, and it's gavaldik. And it's still not working. Still not working. Why? Because he's still making a mistake in his tshuva. What? Because he's making the following mistake. He's thinking, so what he's saying is the following idea. He says that it's not enough just to have this idea, um, like I'm going to work on myself, and then after I've worked on myself, I've done my personal tshuva, by the time I walk to the bima, or I walk to the amid to give the drasha, I'm already taken care of, and now I can talk to the people. 
That's also a mistake. That's also not yichud. In other words, the, the mistake is thinking that, there's a, that, there's a, that first I work on myself, and then I begin to talk. No, it's a mistake. He says as follows. To think such a thing is making a basic mistake. Is that what? You're still looking at the people you're talking to as separate from you. I have to work on myself, and then I'll begin to automatically try to help other people. The next next point, says the Taldas Yaakov Yosef, is that when you're doing your personal tshuva, see yourself as doing tshuva with them. See yourself as part of the chevra that you're involved with. And when you're doing tshuva, again, you're doing tshuva as a reflection of them. You're doing tshuva with them. You're not doing tshuva for yourself first and then them. It's all the same thing. You are just a reflection of the tzibur around you. And so when you're doing tshuva, it's not just a matter of, again, the, the first mistake a person can make is just stop to think that, that, uh, that you're fine and you're just talking to other people with issues. Fine. You realize, no, I have, I, have, I have my personal issues too. But it's more than just realizing that. The point is seeing yourself as one with the people that you're speaking. Again, turning it into a yichud moment. And the way to do that is not just to take care of yourself first. It's to realize that what, me taking care of myself is taking care of them. Them being taken care of is taking care of myself. It's all one and the same. There is no distinction in time. When I'm working on my own inyanim, that itself is working on the inyanim of the chaver. It's literally one inyan. It's yichud. So he says as follows, look, um, the person's doing tshuva, it's very good, and so he won't, uh, you know, like Rabbi Kagan was, was pointing out, is that, yeah, you could just learn this kipshuta. You do take care of tshuva first because you have to remain humble. It's much deeper than that. It, that's not good enough. You have to do tshuva with the mindset that as I'm doing tshuva, it's not just me. It's everyone doing tshuva through me. That's a, that's a much more mystical experience. That's not just a practical uh, to make sure you're, you're humbled. So he says, <laughs> So if you, if, even when you're doing tshuva, if you see yourself as separate from everyone else in your tshuva process, then they will still remain separate from you, and the words that you say will still fall on deaf ears. Therefore, what a person has to do is while you are doing tshuva personally, even before you open your mouth to say anything, to see yourself as B'Shem Kol Yisrael, as a representative and a reflection of the collective tzibur. That, that right now, when I'm doing tshuva, I'm not doing tshuva just for my own personal inyanim, for my personal inyanim as they're reflected in me from the tzibur. And then it'll go easy. Then it'll go easy. Then, it's, then it doesn't matter whether you're charismatic and it doesn't matter if you're uh, an amazing speaker and you have a lot to say. If, you, if a person can do that, make that moment a yichud moment, that's, uh, you know, 90% of the hashpah is taken care of already. That's the next statement of Hill. So again, the first statement was, if you're getting up there and you're thinking you're perfect and everyone else has the problem, it's not going to do anything. So you have to do tshuva yourself. But then says Hill, But even when you're doing tshuva, if you think you're doing tshuva just by yourself, it's also money, it's also missing. When you're doing tshuva, you're doing tshuva with everyone else. That's also, you're not going to be able to help anyone else. Since you've disconnected yourself from them, and that's what the final statement of Hill is, that when you're doing tshuva right now, don't think that I'm doing tshuva now and then, then I'll get to them. No, no, that's getting to them. Like when, To fix other people is by fixing yourself. Immediately, by, by, connect, by fixing yourself, you have kavana to do tshuva on behalf of every single part of you that's in them and every part of them that's in you. We're all inter-included like that. So the, the, the Indian is that you have kavana to do tshuva for yourself. And who, what, what does it mean myself? Myself means my physical body. Myself means every single part of me as it's reflected in other yidin, as other yidin are reflected in me. The whole network, that's what I'm doing tshuva for. Shukol b'nei darv, then it'll be good for you and for everyone else. That's the idea. So it's about making the moment a yichud moment. hundred percent. He talks about this. There's other places where he talks about the people listening to the, to the, to the, to the Magid or to the Rabbah. 
that they also have to believe in him. We'll talk about that maybe next week, we'll get into that more, that they have to believe in this union as well. It can't be one-sided either, right? And it's also true, like you're saying, even within, uh, within friends, there's also that, that dynamic. Every time you do anything, everyone has a position of hashba over everyone else. You, you, anytime you work on yourself, the point is as follows, every time you work on yourself, Every, let's put it more than that. Anytime you, you, are, you become sensitive and aware of some deficiency in yourself, that's not just your deficiency. That's a deficiency of Klal Yisrael that's making itself known through you. So now when you have the responsibility of fixing that, of doing tshuva on that, don't do tshuva for yourself. Do tshuva on every single part of yourself that's within Klal Yisrael and Klal Yisrael within you. And then all of a sudden, not only are you doing tshuva and you being uplifted, but there's Yidin on the other side of the planet that will all of a sudden have Osiris and they will become uplifted and they're your chassidim then. That, that's, that's the way it goes. That's the, and that's, again, turning a moment which could have just been shefa, could have just been, okay, I didn't have Verim doing tshuva. But now it becomes a yichud, it becomes a moment of, 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 of union, not just between you and God, but a union between you and all the other myriads of Yidin that are connected to you through that experience. That, that's what happens. No, no, because this is taking Yichud into places that were otherwise no shaykhs to Yichud, right? So this, 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 this is just one of the many places where you find this idea of, a, 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 of an interaction between two people, the, the Rav and the Kehila, which could have just been seen as a moment of Shefa, where he's being mashpi on them, information and his iris, but now Chesidus is coming and saying, no, 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 turn Shefa into Yichud. How do you get around the fact that, you do, that, that the person is not doing this? Where's the other way to tshuva for that person? What did I say? Say it again? How do you get around the fact that, so, so you're doing the tshuva, the Rav, the Rav is doing the yeah, tshuva, yeah. and he's being coiled with the Zichud, they didn't do anything. So they will. That's what he's saying. They, they will. They'll be inspired by that. Subconsciously, it'll take time. It might take time for it to produce, you know, for the payers to come. But ultimately, they will have that Osiris. And that taken is happening, yeah. Doesn't that get into the territory of living vicariously? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That was one of the main, that was one of the main concerns of introducing this dynamic of Rebbe that people will, will, will use it as a crutch and say, okay, you know, the Rebbe is a health, you know what I mean? The Rebbe will take care of me, I'll just rely on him. A hundred percent, like everything in the world. In just because, form, huh? In its ideal form, what would the response be? In its ideal form, the response would be, like Rabbi Nachman writes in the Kut Maran, that a tzaddik is like a lost and found. The idea of a tzaddik is that you go to find yourself. And there's a part of your own personal avoida that needs to be awakened and sometimes you need that tzaddik to awaken it within you but the ultimate tachlis is for then for you to become a bigger version of yourself through the tzaddik that's the idea but not just to rely on him you are becoming a deeper person through the tzaddik that's uh, that would be the idea but again this is this is the, it introduces a whole a whole a whole big sogi i mean again the, this is a shmuz by itself. In Beth we could go into this, how, how the concept of a Rebbe and this relationship, this dynamic of Rebbe and Chassid was not really an invention of the Baal Shem Tov. This is something, this was the relationship of Navi to B'nai Hanavim. That, that's, that, that's how it was. And uh, the Baal Shem Tov was a, it was a renaissance of, of what that relationship was about. Yeah. Is this really like the time of the Kippur? Like, Yeah, yeah. doing everything and somehow... So once you have these ideas, then yeah, that's exactly how, how it's working. Without this, you can just go, okay, it's a din. I don't know. It's a din. It's a gzeris akasav, right? <laughs> that's usually what we say. That, that's what we say. We don't understand how it works. But this is the mechanics of it. 100% true. That's exactly how it is. That's why the Kohen Gadol is a, a rabbi. This position, it, it, it's a funny thing. I mean, I think on, on Shabbos, maybe I'll talk about this. The Kohen Gadol is a very funny position. Where else do we have such a thing that's like, Super duper rabbi, you know, it's like Rebbe. <laughs> right? The Rebbe is like in, in rabbi hierarchy, Rebbe is the Kain Gadol, right? So, what's the difference between a Kain Gadol and a Kain? Kain is also Sisek Kain Yishmur Das Tari Vakshmipiu. Every Kain is being described as a Velt Tamachachem Mashpia. So, what's a Kain Gadol? A Kain Gadol 
is a rabba. That's what a kain gadol is. So he's he's not. What is the kain? The kain gadol is everyone. A kain is not everyone. A kain is uh, he's a kain. Right, right, exactly. He's a he's a rav. The kain gadol is a rabba. That's the difference. It's the same idea. Yeah, it goes back to Chazal. But again, you could always fartaich those concepts. Okay, it's vaiter right din. It's just right, something like that. But no, that that this is the mechanics of it. Is that that is the klal? The tzaddik is the klal. But the language here seems to imply that he's taka being masakin. It's not just he's waiting for it to influence. No, he is being masakin, and it'll make itself known with time. It'll surface with time, but he actually is being masakin the tzibur by him doing tshuva, and they still have to sort of embrace that, and they have to, and that part of themselves which has been masukin has to become, uh, you know, absorbed and processed into their individual consciousness. But a tikkun took place, and as there's a. And as there's a part of the tzibur that's within the tzaddik, and that part of them that's in him kviyachal is rectified. And that part has to be absorbed into their individual consciousness you and to make itself known. Of course, yeah, of course, there's an avoid their part to embrace this. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, what has happened is not attributed to them. It's, it's the aspect of them as it exists in him. It's not a simple idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, if it's more than a catalyst, though, the truth is it's... Um, there, there, there's, there, there, the part of them that's... There's a part of them that is already rectified. But that part of them that's rectified is still within the womb of the tzaddik. We find, in, in Chabad Hasidis, you find this idea very, very often. You, you could have... You could have something that, what's the words? It's hard to find. You know what? What I'm trying to do right now. There's a concept that is crystal clear in my, in my brain. And I'm trying to give it over outside of my brain. And even if I were to do that, so that idea, exi- there's an existence of it inside of me, as part of me. And then there's its existence independent of me there's a part of every single one of us that exists inside of every single piece of cauliflower. And that, you understand what I'm saying? So that, that you know, the part, there's a part of you, there's a part of you that exists within the tzaddik, and that part of you that exists within the tzaddik that the tzaddik is pregnant of, that part is being rectified by the chuv of the tzaddik, but your avayda is to absorb that part of yourself within yourself, and to really change the rest of you because of that, and to allow that to, to allow it to, 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 to blossom and to grow and to overtake the rest of you. It's, uh, you think of the, the Mishalim of the Adam of Talmud? It's a similar dynamic, yeah. The, 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 there's a Chachma, the, the, the information that the Rebbe is giving over to the Talmud exists in the mind of the Rebbe, and then it, and that also needs to exist also in the mind of the Talmud. But there's there's a dynamic there, and the ultimate tachlis is for that part of the Talmud that's existing in the Rebbe to encompass the entire identity of the Talmud. Yeah, to give yourself over. That's that's the idea. But it, 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 there's a part of you that's now going to be rectified by the avoid of the tzaddik, and now it's upon you. To allow that to uh, again to to to, en- to engulf the rest of you, you know. It's, uh, we're all intertwined like that because because the because nishma because because of Yisrael Chad, and God is one. The Torah is a vehicle for God Himself to be manifest, which is one. And the Jewish people are the recipients of that, which therefore necessitates us being one. It's all one. It has to be one. It all goes back to the one God. Again, gravity doesn't have to be one. It's not Him. But if there's if any, the God Himself is one. Any vehicle that He created 
for him to come into reality through is going to have to be one. And any entity that he created to absorb that oneness is going to have to be one. That's why the nature of Torah is one. The nature of Torah is one. There's no, uh, you know, we, we end Chumash and we immediately start Chumash. Torah has to be one. The only way for Torah to, to express the fact that it's a conduit for the one God is for it to maintain its quality of oneness. And the only way for the Jewish people to retain their quality of being able to receive and experience the one God through Torah is to retain our quality of oneness. And so that, that's the nature of Nishmas Yisrael as such. It has to be this one. That's what Knesset Yisrael is. We are all just reflections from that big unity. And therefore, automatically, we're all interincluded. So there's a piece of me and you, and you and him, and him and me. And, and, and when you work on yourself, you're not just working on yourself. You're working on every single, every single yid as they are a piece of you. And you're working on, every, on a piece of you as it's in every single yid. That, that's, that's the dynamic. And then, the, then the, the, the job of every other yid is to allow that part of themselves that has been rectified through you to, to uh, copy itself and to go forward and to conquer the rest of itself. Yeah. So is just this polemic against the Maginem, also Maginem, is that they were faking it? They weren't doing it? The, to, you know, to say it in nice ways, they, they weren't necessarily faking it, but they were not doing it like this. They were, they were, this is their job. They're giving to Chacha. And that's it. They weren't invested in the people they were speaking to. See, what, what, this idea that we're learning takes mysterious nefesh because it means the Magid, the, the Rebbe, has to be emotionally, spiritually, intellectually completely invested in the people that he's speaking to. And what you just said about um, Israel writes a Kutubri Kukadu and Knesset Israel, you don't have to be invested in them, say, because it's just in the melee by, by people. It's like everything else. It, it, it is true it's going to happen in the melee, but it'll take who knows how long for that truth to manifest and to make its way to the surface. And the tachlis of Avodis Hashem is to not just do things beneath the surface, that the Rebbe need to create a world for that. The Rebbe wants these things to be experienced palpably. And so the more we can be conscious of it, the more it'll happen palpably. And that's, that's what Avodis Hashem is about. But, it's, but, but, but again, it's dependent on, on the Rebbe finding common, that's, that's going to be the next, the next point of here, it's already late, so maybe we'll continue this next week, but the next point of this is to, is, for the, is, is in order for this to happen, so until now what we have, okay, so the, the, so the Rebbe has to have this sort of like mindset, he has to become one with the people and so on, but in order for that to really happen and for it to resonate as, as true within the Rebbe and within the Chevra, is that there, there, there really has to be some level of, of commonality, between the Rebbe and the people he's speaking to. Because the more common, common ground there actually will be between the Rebbe and the Chassidim, the more this Yichud can be cultivated. You know, even though on some level it's, like you said, it's always going to be true by the very fact that we're Nishmas Yisrael, but in order for this Yichud to resonate and, to, and to, for it to surface in everyone's life, the more common ground can exist between the Mashpin and the Kabbal, uh, the more this will surface. That's what we're going to see next time, Bez Hashem, this idea of the tzaddik finding chesroinus within himself, or maybe even, even God forbid, experiencing chesroinus within himself in order to create that common language, that, common, that commonality. And then the hashba will be that much more intense. Yeah. Yeah. One guy is in the thief, and the other one is into something else. And he's doing chuba on this. It makes it difficult. No, no, it makes it. It, 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 it makes it difficult. And you know, take a look at Mar. You guys, okay? We'll go a couple more minutes. Okay, fine. So, take a look at yeah, Mar Malkum number two. So it's like this. Also in Parshas Kedoshim he creates the following dynamic. Hatzad the Gomer in Russia Gomer. So you have uh, the Magids coming to give the Joshua and his mom is Tzadik Yisrael Olam, and the people that he's speaking to are the opposite of, 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 of Tzadik Yisrael Olam. Shem Shnei Afochim, their mom is two opposites, Mekotza El Kotza. 
then the problem is that the tzaddik in his mind have all these yichudim and he's embracing himself, he's seeing himself as part of them. But, but even within himself, he doesn't find any commonality with them. The chastroyness that they're dealing with, he doesn't see within himself. So they're, they're, they're having very difficult issues, but he doesn't have any chastroyness. So he, he, could, he could then be thinking, well, you know, I'll just be do tshuva on their behalf, but then it's not him. Like he has to find a nakuda within himself to do tshuva on that's reflective of the fact that they're of what they're struggling with. Then it's a real yichud. Otherwise, it's still just just thinking about them. He has to be thinking about himself as he exists in them. That's the idea. It's not just thinking about them. That's also the mistake. That's not good enough. You can't just be thinking about other people. You have to be thinking about yourself as you are one with them. And so in order to do that, you have to see their chesarin as your chesarin. And if you don't actually have a chesarin, it's very difficult. So he says... The, exactly. That's why, you know, by, by the big tzaddikim, the, it was a responsibility on the Rebbe to find some nakuda that of chesarin within himself that like why is it you know in order to to be to see himself as a reflection of this person and vice versa and said that all this and and we we see this in reality it bears out that what we see this with our own two eyes those magidim it's a derogatory term for them, Reichlem. Reichlem are like peddlers. So he says, Reichlem, they travel from city to city. So the guy's a tzaddik, right? And he comes, so if he's, if he's speaking to other tzaddikim, so then Ishmael, then obviously they're all listening. Okay, because the, they're hearing muster, it's not negate to them. So everyone likes going to those muster shmuzim when it's not negate to you, right? The but the opposite is true. Be in a city that's not tzaddikim, and they most don't pay attention to what he's saying. Doesn't enter into their ears. Why? Because there's no there's no compatibility. There's no relatability between him and them. Sometimes it's because he's not trying to make any effort of connecting with them. He's just another paycheck, right? That could be. But even if he's more than that, he is trying. But he's, there's, no, there's no common dog. He doesn't see himself in them. He doesn't see them in him. Because there's no relatability. They're coming from different places. There has to be a middle ground. There has to be middle ground. And then there could be connection between you and the other person. And therefore says the told us, this is the meaning of what Chazal say. Why did the Malchus of Shol not remain? Why was this malchus dismantled? Because it was too perfect. There was no imperfection in Shaul. Really? Isn't that what you want in a leader? He's perfect. The answer is no. The malchus of the Jewish people is Rebbe. Is Rebbe. And in order for the Melech to be the heart of the people, and the people to be the heart of the king, the king has to see himself in the people. The people have to see themselves in him. There has to be relatability. And whatever imperfection exists in the people, the king has to find that in his life. And if the king is too perfect, it means he's automatically not a king. He's automatically not a king. A rebbe has to see himself with, with, uh, as, some, as some connection. He has to have a, a, a basket of shrotzim hanging behind him, you know. Then he could unite with people lower than him, and they could all send together. He goes on, okay, he goes on to say this is why Pinchas Dafka was the one chosen in the story of Pinchas. This is why Pinchas was chosen to be the one to kill Kazbi and to bring Sholem between Kal Yisrael and the Rabbanu Shalom, right? There was a problem with Sholem bias, Yichud. It wasn't just a matter of killing Kazbi and Zimri, right? It was a matter of bringing Yichud between Chassan and Kal, between the Rabbanu Shalom and the Jewish people. And it was Dafka Pinchas chosen for that. Why? The halacha that you're allowed to kill Kazbi and Zimri, everyone forgot. Moshe forgot it. It was only Pinchas. Why? For the same reason why the, why the, 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 the Shevet Shimon were upset about Pinchas. They said, Pinchas, who, who, who made you? Who are you? Your grandfather was Avir of Adizara, Yisrael, right? So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're a big tzaddik. That's exactly why he was able to bring Shalom. Because there's a part of him that was milchas to Aaron Akayin. That's tzaddik. And there's a part of him that's milchas to Avdi Avadizara. And that's exactly why he was the perfect bridge between Kazbi and Zimri and Maishu Rabbeinu. That was the problem that was taking place over there. Why couldn't Maishu Rabbeinu be piled? Why couldn't Aaron Akayin be piled that everyone should just do tshuva? 
certainly aren't a kind, they were they, they rebels, you know, so why couldn't they do this? The answer is they were too perfect at that point. There was something happened that took place at that moment, they were too perfect. And you need someone with some imperfection to bring to make that bridge. That, that's, that's what you need. That's what you need. Now, Bez Hashem, next week, what we're going to learn is that there is another way. There is another way. There is a way for, there is such a phenomenon for tzaddik to be so exalted and so high that he's actually relatable always without him having any chesreinus. So until now, what we've seen so far is that to create that relatability, the tzaddik has to find chesreinus within himself in order for, for him to realize that they're reflected in him 